It's the Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 707 and 55 degrees outside, a beautiful Saturday in front of us, a gorgeous day, 70s this afternoon, low 40s tonight, tomorrow about the same, no rain. Oh man, oh man, it's a great weekend for gardening. Coming up in the next half hour, we'll have Sherelle in Roswell who wants to know about planting a hickory nut. Can we do that? Sure we can. I'll have to give her a little hint on that. Bob is in Monticello with white flies, how to deal with them. Mary in Snellville wants to know about her oxalis is spreading, and I have a thing that Mary hasn't thought of for oxalis control. Mel has bald places in his yard. Kim has a yard that has weeds all over it. Kathy wants to know about Japanese beetles. But we're going to take those in just a second after I get to talk to my friend Melinda Myers from Milorganite. Hey, Melinda, good morning. Good morning, Walter. And a wonderful Wisconsin morning to you, since I know you're back over in your neck of the woods right now. It is. Actually, I can say it is a beautiful day. We had up to 60 degrees yesterday. I know Uh this sounds sounds like, really, that's a wonderful day. Yes, it is, because we've been having snow on and off throughout Mm. April, and it's finally warming up, and I'm hoping spring is really here to stay. So the daffodils are up. A few have bloomed under the snow. The crocus are gone. So for us, we're behind you, but I don't care where you live, it seems like spring never gets here soon enough. I know, and spring in, in Atlanta particularly this year has been just great. The daffodils, of course, for us have already gone. The azaleas are going right now. The dogwoods are coming in right now. Oh. It looks fabulous. Excellent. It just is, summer is wonderful. I know it's a little toasty for you, but spring is just like, oh, we made it through <laughs> another one. <laughs> Melinda, I have to thank you because at all the Pike Nursery remotes that we've done this spring, I've had a box, a nice little box of samples of Milorganite, the fertilizer, that I give away to people for free. And they're always very grateful to have it because they have heard me say, and they've used it themselves, that Milorganite is one of those things you just mix into the soil as you plant your spring annuals, and it really does a great job. Oh, it certainly does. And the other thing I like to do, and those packets are the perfect size, is use them in your containers. Yeah. Because yeah. add them to your containers, and you're good for at least a good six weeks during the growing season. You know, if you pack your plants a little tight or you have an extremely hot summer like you guys do and water often, you'll probably need a mid-season boost. But, boy, it's a great way. You don't have to mix. You don't have to think about, now, did I fertilize? Do I have to do that? And it's, you know plant do it when you plant and you're in good shape and the great thing about milorganite is it doesn't you don't run the risk of burning the roots of your plants as you would if you had one of the houseplant fertilizers and you put two caps full instead of one cap full in the mixing thing and then you think oh man i hurt my plants so i put too much on but with the milorganite you just sprinkle it in it does not burn because it's so slowly released Exactly. Not that we ever recommend over-fertilizing, but last spring I was having trouble. Did I fertilize that pot or not? I can't remember. Didn't have to worry. I, if I did it twice, I still would have beautiful plants. I would still get flowers and fruit. So you're right. Absolutely easy. Goof-proof, whether it's in a pot or in the ground. Milorganite is made in Milwaukee. And uh, one of the things that people often ask is, can I use it on vegetables? Can I use it on blueberries? Can I use it on camellias? What do you say? Oh, I say definitely. They test daily and weekly. It's held to a higher standard than organics and manures. 
And um, it's a slow release, as you mentioned, low nitrogen, so it won't interfere with flowering fruiting. Heavy metals are not an issue. I know that's been a concern for people. And it's Melorganite's been around for 90 years. It's their 90th birthday this wow, year. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, and so it's a pretty exciting thing. And so they take the safety of their product very seriously. So they check regularly. I use it on everything, including my food crops, and have had great success. I think that's one of the things that it just is a product that you can can recommend without any hesitation. It's not going to hurt anything. It's not a herbicide. You have to say, read the label and follow the label directions carefully because you might hurt something else. Melorganite. It's a slow, organic fertilizer, blueberries, azaleas, some of the camellias, just anything that needs a slow feeding during the summer, even the annuals, as you mentioned, in the potted plants. That melorganite seems to work just great. Why not use it? It works fine. You bet. Do you use it for your lawn, uh, Melinda? I do. I, when I lived in the city, I had a very small yard, and so my grass looked really good. Now I live out in the country, so... Um, we're, we're kind of doing the grass clipping on the outer area and concentrating our fertilizer near the, the house where we want a little better looking lawn. And one of the things I like is if you just want a low maintenance lawn, Melorganite's a great product to use. One application um, is sufficient for a low maintenance, follow the holiday schedule, you know, for those of you growing that, for you guys, mm-hmm. you know, in the spring, again, early, you know, before the heat of the summer comes. But the nice part is if you fertilize in late spring, get your lawn going, and it gets hot and dry, the fertilizer sits there, does nothing until the weather's right for your grass to grow. So you don't burn your lawn either, and it doesn't leach through the soil. And that's one of the things I really like about Melorganite on the lawn. It's there when you need it, or any plant, it's there when you need it. Um, but it won't, it'll just sit and wait until the conditions are right for the plants to grow and to pick up those nutrients from the melorganite. Well, Melinda, we get melorganite at Pike Nursery and some of the other nurseries, of course, around town that carry melorganite. It is a fine organic fertilizer product, and I wanted to be sure to have Melinda on to tell us a little bit more about it. It is wonderful talking to you, Melinda. I miss seeing you. We haven't seen each other in years and years, but I still consider you my garden friend. Well, thank you. And I'll be down in Atlanta for Garden Writers. So I will wait to, to see you then. Okay, sounds good. Everybody have a great gardening day. Thanks, Melinda. We'll see you soon. Thank you. 404-872-0750 gets you in to take Melinda's little slot right there. Sherelle is in Roswell and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Sherelle, good morning. Hello, Sherelle, are you there? This is Charles. Oh, Charles. Rachel. <laughs> Rachel, all right, we're going to talk to Rachel Perry right now, our call screener. I will tell you, Rachel, that Charles and Charelles do not look at all the same on the screen here. All right, Rachel has taken a vow of penance, and she will make sure she spells everybody's name better in the next half hour. Charles and Roswell, how can we be of service this morning? Uh, uh, My daughter and son-in-law bought a a house in Roswell, and it's got a big hickory nut tree in it. Yeah. I live in Pike County, and... the deer and all that eat up all the picker nuts down in that area. Yeah. Yeah. If I can, I can our roots uh, plant the seeds and root them up and take them to my house and uh, uh, plant them or root a limb off the tree, or is it just better go? You uh, probably won't find hickories. I don't see hickories very often at nurseries at all. I think the best way to do it is from a nut, not rooting the limb or anything, but from the hickory nut. And you can do that easily, Charles. Go to your uh, friend's house, get the nuts in the fall when they've just fallen from the tree. 
collect you know, them. I have to fight the deer and the well, let's get uh, pearls for them. <laughs> well, fight them, get them, put a little container and get them from them when they're freshly um, dropped from the tree in the fall, and take them to your place in Pike County and put them in the ground. It doesn't have to be deeply an inch or so in the ground. Cover it with chicken wire because the squirrels will dig them up if you're not careful. So cover it with chicken wire. You can have five or a hundred of them all laid out together in a little bed. Wait till spring, and theoretically, most of them will sprout, and then you can just gently dig them up, move them to another sort of nurse bed, I would call it, where they're about a foot or two apart from each other, and again, have some protection from deer and squirrels and things digging on them. But after a year or two, they would be big enough to transplant into your property and be just fine. All right, now, I don't have to dry them out and then plant them? Nope, plant them, nope. Plant them fresh. Green? Fresh like God intended. That's exactly okay. what a hickory would do is drop them to the ground, let them have cold, moist conditions in the winter, and those that are going to sprout will sprout, and you're just giving them a place in Pike County to do that. Okie doke. Thank right. you, sir. Appreciate it. Nothing to it, Charles. Thanks for calling. All right, bye we got time, I believe, here for, yes, we do, for Kim. Kim is out in Chapel Hill and joins us. Hey, Kim, good morning. Hi, I'm, I'm in Toco Hills. Well, Toco Hills. Yeah. Rachel? Yeah. <laughs> hey, it's early, huh? Oh, Toco Hill. How can we help you then, Kim? Well, I have a really just wonderful Honda lawnmower that you can adjust it between bagging yeah. and all the way and down to mulching. But I have a very weedy lawn, and... I've been mulching, and I'm just wondering, when I mulch, am I just basically recycling the weed seeds and planting them back in my lawn? Should I bag for a while while I fight the weeds? Don't worry about it. <laughs> I've got, I live not far from you, and I have squirrels in my backyard. To me, trapping a few squirrels and moving them somewhere else makes me feel better, but there are enough squirrels in the neighborhood, and there are enough weed seeds in your lawn that whether you bag or don't bag, it's not going to make an appreciable difference in the number of weeds or squirrels we have. Okay, so well, I'm, I'm, I don't really care about the squirrels. I just care about the weeds. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not as really example, weed, I'm saying weed seeds when, don't, I, when I mulch. You, got, if you, have, you may remove, let's say you remove 10,000 weed seeds from your lawn by bagging those weeds. There's already probably dropped. 100,000 already okay. before you have a chance to mow. And bagging you know, makes it look a little bit better, perhaps. But you have that nice Honda that mulches so nicely. I think I would just put it on the mulch setting and okay. zoom across the lawn and don't worry a, about bagging. It's a rocking mower. Yeah, a rocking mower. That's what you like, Kim. <laughs> is it easy to start? That's the biggest thing I like yeah, about Hondas. Yeah, that's a key, and it is just, um, man, because I've had tons of other mowers, yeah. and it's, this is just the most amazing mower I've ever had. It was Good really deal. worth the money. Good deal. Put it on mulch and be gone. Rock on. Right, Rock there. on. <laughs> Thanks for calling, Kim. Bye. 404-872-0750 gets you in at 718, and you're listening to Lawn and Garden. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellish weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. A warming trend starting today. A great start this weekend. Man, oh man, 70s this afternoon. No rain. Tonight will be a little chilly down into the 40s, but fabulous weekend weather for gardening. 
Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. And don't forget, tomorrow you can pick up the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, where you can get an article, a big coverage, as a matter of fact, for an investigation of the safety of students on the Metro Atlanta College campuses. And plus, if you buy the paper, you get $302 in coupon savings. What a deal. News and savings at the same place. Mel is indicator, and Mel joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Mel, good morning. Good morning, Walter. Love your program. Thank you, sir. How can I help? Walter got a big corner yard, uh, Bermuda grass, full sun. I've got several low places, maybe three to four inches below ground level. Got it. How do I level off my yard? Go to the garden center. Go to Pike in Decatur. You go to the Pike at Toco Hill and um, ask for a bag of planting soil and ask for a bag of play sand. This is one of the times when play sand works fine for what I'm going to describe for you to do. You take the planting soil and the play sand and a wheelbarrow, mix them up together about 50-50, and that will make enough good, what I call, fill dirt or fill soil that your Bermuda can grow into very readily and easily in all these low places. You just fill them up with the fill dirt. If you have some little pieces of Bermuda from around in the other parts of the yard, you can pick up and plant down into this low place or now fill place. Then the Bermuda over the next two or three weeks will start covering, growing. It'll be level, and that's the end of the story for Mel. <laughs> Thank you so much. Listen every Saturday. Thank you, Mel. See you soon. Bye-bye. We've got, I bet we can get Mary in here. Mary's been waiting pretty long, and we'll get her in right this minute. Hey, Mary, good morning. Good morning, Walter. How are you? I'm well. So what have you got in your lawn? Okay, it's not in my lawn. Um, I planted in the way back. Planted some uh, azaleas a couple years ago, and it seems that they, I don't know if it's oxalis or wood sorrel, but it's yeah. taken off underneath the plants. Little yellow flowers. And I tried sure. pulling them up, weeding them, but um, it just keeps coming back and spreading. For listeners who are wondering so what we're talking about, the three-leaf clover. The three-leaf clover is what we're talking about, oxalis, and you have a very wonderful organic way of controlling them, which is simply to eat them. And I literally mean that. You can pull, you know how you can do it, Mary. If you pull them up by the handfuls, pull up this little weed by the handfuls, clip yep. off the leaves. You can eat those in salad. There's sort of a lemony, spicy kind of taste to yeah. them. And if you want to, if you're pretty good about using a trowel, you can dig up the roots, and the roots are much sweeter. The roots are delicious. When I was in um, New Zealand, they dig oxalis roots there and fry them or roast them a little bit, and they're delicious to eat. So you can actually eat the roots too. And either way, if you pull them out pretty readily by hand and hopefully pull up the roots, you won't have any oxalis to come back and the azaleas will be safe and everybody's going to be happy in Snellville. Thanks for calling Mary at 728. We'll be back to more Lawn and Garden after news. The Lawn and Garden Show with Walter Reeves on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. It's brought to you by Pike Nurseries, your neighborhood garden center. Playing in the dirt for more than 50 years. Call now with your lawn and garden questions at 404-872-0750 or 1-800-WSB-TALK. And now, here's Walter. It's 736 and 56 degrees outside. It is a beautiful weekend ahead of us. If you have questions about your gardening practices and what you should be doing or could be doing or could be doing wrong, 
0750. Rachel Perry is ably screening our calls this morning, and she is ably thinking of a number between 2 and 7 right now, which will determine who wins our weekend prize pack. A four-pack of tickets to the Atlanta Symphony Orchestra's Classical Series Concert, April 21st, at Atlanta Symphony Hall, plus a pair of tickets to see the Bare Naked Ladies in Concert, June 28th, at Verizon Wireless Amphitheater, produced by Live Nation, and a $20 McDonald's Arch Card. BNL Bare Naked Ladies, that wouldn't be bad. Rachel, who wins? That would be caller number five. Caller number five to our contest line, 404-741-0750. 404-741-0750 for our contest line. Go see the Bare Naked Ladies. Get Go to McDonald's beforehand and see the Atlanta Symphony that evening. You get a little culture in your life. Here's a great, great, great announcement for those of you who have Bermuda lawns or perhaps are building a home and want the best kind of Bermuda lawn to put in. The University of Georgia has just announced that they have now released and is in stock in some of the sod-producing farms around metro Atlanta and Georgia a new Bermuda grass called Tiff Tough. Get that name, T-I-F. It was developed in Tifton at the big Bermuda grass breeding lab down there. Tifton Tough, T-U-F, Tiff Tough Bermuda. This Bermuda is spectacularly good. And one of the best things about it it uses 30% less water than Tifton 419. Tif, everybody has Tif 419 Bermuda in their lawn. If you had a, had a house built in the last 20 years with Bermuda grass side laid, you have Tif 419. Just that common. Now comes Tif Tough that uses 30% less water and, here's the great thing, stays green even in the heat of the summertime. Even in 100-degree weather, Tif Tough stays green. And the reason that it was developed, I mean, it has been in development for, I think, since 93 or 94. And they have two big Bermuda grass breeders, Wayne Hanna and uh, Brian Schwartz down in Tifton. And they looked at thousands of cultivars of Bermuda grass. They don't even have a name to them. They just lay them out in fields and let them grow for a while. And Brian said, I noticed one particular corner of the field where the grass was green all the time, even in the summertime, even in 2008 when it was really, really dry. That Bermuda grass, to me, seemed to have potential. Yeah, it had potential. So Brian dug it up, started um, trialing it some more, making sure he knew all the characteristics and how fast it grew and whether it could stand shade and things like that. But the main thing he found was using less water and staying green in the summertime. Grows fine, grows fast, just like Bermuda grass does. Can be mowed down to an inch to an inch and a half. It looks fabulous on a lawn. Can take a little bit of shade, so that's nice as well. Tiff, tough. T-I-F-T-U-F, Bermuda grass sod. No seed, only sod. And I will warn you that if you're looking for it, call some of the sod producers around Atlanta. Be aware that a couple of arms and a leg might be the expensive <laughs> expense of this stuff. It's not going to be cheap because it's new and it's good and everybody wants it. So Tiff Tough Bermuda grass, that's the stuff to get if you want a pretty Bermuda lawn. All brought to you by the University of Georgia College of Agricultural and Environmental Science, which makes more money for the university by licensing and patenting things than you would ever believe. We're talking millions and millions of dollars, tens of millions of dollars, bigger than I think any other department in the University of Georgia the University of Georgia College of Agricultural and Environmental Sciences. Yes, they're the ones. Bob is in Monticello. Monticello. How do you pronounce it, Bob? Uh, good morning, Walter. How are you doing? Do you pronounce it Monticello or Monticello? 
Monticello. Monticello, Georgia, then. Monticello, right. Bob, how can we help? Uh, white flies. I've got, over the course of the years, I've just uh, added perennials for the hummingbird. Yeah, sure. And the white flies are devastating the uh, the blooms. Yeah. Uh, started last year. I, I have all of them planted in 15 to 30 gallon containers. Sure. And I just, uh, I, I need some help on it. What plants do you have? I have a uh, hot lip salvia, oh, good. Uh, black yeah. and blues, uh, bat face cupias, yeah. uh, firecracker plants. And if you want hummingbirds in your landscape, Bob just named four that'll make hummingbirds delirious: the salvias, oh, two salvias, the uh, bat face cupia, and the um, uh, uh, fire, what did you call it? firecracker plant? What did you say? Firecracker plant, Firecracker yeah. plant, red, red, deep, tubular flowers. Got a lot of nectar oh, inside. They, they love it. Ooh, that it's little awesome. Bad face, that little bad face cupid is my favorite. It's a little vine, and it looks as cute as it can be. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> All right. I usually feed, I say, close to 100 hummingbirds. Wow. I will give you something that I'm going to have to let you make a choice, Bob, and maybe even do a little research, because I don't know the end of this research. I think I do, but I'm going to let you make the choice. And here is your choice. One of the best ways of controlling white flies is with a systemic insecticide. And the one that I usually recommend here is either Bayer tree and shrub, Bayer tree and shrub, or the bonide systemic granules. You can find them in, in Monticello pretty easily. The problem that some people have with using a systemic insecticide is they say, now how much of that gets into the nectar of the plant? How much of that would hurt my hummingbirds that I'm you know, so fond of here? If you don't use a systemic, then the only way to control white flies is by regular spraying with either insecticidal soap or with an oil. And the oil that I'd recommend is called neem oil, N-E-E-M. And the way that you have to start with that is before you ever see a white fly, meaning right now when the salvia plants are just coming out of the ground, they're six or eight inches tall, maybe a little bit taller right now, start spraying regularly, follow the label directions with the neem oil, and be sure that you get under the leaves, because that's where white flies live, and try to keep the population at least under control so that the salvia and others can thrive and they have a lot of flowers and nectar and the hummingbirds come. And if you want to do a little research on systemic insecticides, see what the research says about using them and its effect on hummingbirds. I think the research says it's not really going to hurt the hummingbirds at all, but it's your choice, Bob. You decide what you want to do. The neem oil, is it readily available? Sure. Can I find it? Sure. I see there's a blue bottle uh, Natria, Natria neem oil. There is another brand name that I saw at a nursery the other day and I've forgotten now. But if you go and look uh, at nurseries and just say, I need neem, N-E-M, neem oil. Yeah. Okay. Well, I appreciate it. I'll do some research. All right. Tell them we said hey in Monticello, Bob. All right. Thank you very much. We'll see you soon. 404-872-0750. Get you in to take Bob's place. And Kathy's up in Mount Airy, Georgia, and joins us on Lawn and Garden. Hey, Kathy, good morning.
Good morning, Walter. I learned so much from listening to this show. I appreciate y'all so much. <laughs> I learned so much. I mean, the thing about the Tiff Tough Bermuda grass, I read in bed Thursday morning. I was wow. reading a news release from the University of Georgia about the Tiff Tough Bermuda, and I thought, doggone, that sounds good. And I did more <laughs> research during the day and saw how much it was superior to the other Bermuda grasses. I thought, well, i got to talk about that on Saturday morning. Yeah. So that's where yeah. I got it. Well, that's neat. Well, I grow all coneflowers and roses, yeah. and um, I can't stay ahead of the Japanese beetles. Is there mm. something systemic I can pour into the ground now that will help me stay ahead of them, or what do you recommend? There is some effect with the systemics on Japanese beetles and um, on roses and hibiscus, but it's not like the control of white flies. With white flies, systemic, systemic insecticides, it'll be 90 to 100 percent. It'll be really, really effective. On Japanese beetles, simply because they're bigger insects, the systemic just doesn't get enough to them to kill them very well. You'll get 40 to 50 maybe percent control with the systemic insecticides on roses and, and the other. Um, I will tell you something new and different that, Kathy, I have no idea where you can buy this thing. I simply was sent it by a company that said, this is a great idea. You should try it. I don't have enough Japanese beetles in my garden, thank goodness, knock on wood, that um, I have had to try it yet. But it sounds like a great idea simply because you and I both know that if you're out trying to pick Japanese beetles, just the slightest little touch on the rose plant or the hibiscus plant, and the Japanese beetle will fall out and fly away. So this little company has a vibrator that has a timer inside it, and you just strap it to the stem of whatever plant has Japanese beetles, and every once in a while, every five minutes or so, it go like that, and the Japanese beetles all fly away and go somewhere else in the yard. So that is what I'm thinking about for Japanese beetle control. But you know, Kathy, in my conversation, my brain is, is working even when I'm talking to you, and it's thinking something else. Tell me what the damage looks like on your rose and your hibiscus, and I may have a completely different answer for you. What does the damage look like? Well, it seems like on the roses, they want to get down inside the buds. Okay. And by the time they open, they're, you know, it's a lost cause. Okay, and, okay. And so they're eaten down inside that. But then on the coneflowers, they eat all the petals, you know, right down to the nub. And I go out there every morning, and I just can't stay ahead of them. And so I thought, well, I've heard about people saying, you know, you can plant things like marigolds and no, strong-smelling onions no. and things like that in the garden. But then I got to thinking, pros don't do that. You don't have people going out there on landscapes for, you know, business entrances and things like that. Right. Where you see these gorgeous displays of coneflowers that are maybe in the back, and they just set it all off. It looks so pretty. Yeah. But how do they control them? Um, they come in with clean plants, and they have um, probably put insecticides in the soil to control Japanese beetle grubs. And they till those beds in commercial places, certainly. They till the beds real thoroughly before they plant, and that disrupts the grubs that are Japanese beetle grubs in the ground, so they never really get a chance to hatch out. Oh, okay. um, but the reason I was getting to what damage do you see? You've seen Japanese beetles, so okay, we're talking Japanese beetles here. But another insect eats both uh, rose and I thought you said hibiscus, and that's why I was thinking about this particular thing, not coneflower. But there is another insect completely called the rose sawfly and the hibiscus sawfly. 
that our listeners who are growing roses and growing hibiscus may see the damage and think that it is Japanese beetle damage on the leaves. But when you turn the leaf upside down on a morning like this, when it's pretty cool and a little bit moist outside, you'll see these little caterpillar-like things who are eating the bottom of the leaves. And those are sawfly larvae, not Japanese beetle or anything like them. And the sawfly larvae, they're not even caterpillars. They're just these little grub things. And they, you control those with insecticidal soap, very thoroughly spraying underneath the leaves. So that's why I was hesitant for a minute there to say, okay, you have Japanese beetles. But now that you say, oh, I saw them, I know what they get down to the buds and the flowers that eat them up, you know what you're looking at. And it is Japanese beetles for you. So I don't have great control for Japanese beetles. You know, the bags will collect a bunch of them, but they have to be in the corners of the yard. You can spray insecticide on your roses uh, as soon as you see beetle damage coming on the coneflowers as well. You can spray just any garden insecticide will kill them. It's just being regular about it, using it according to the label directions. Or what you can try... What about neem oil for those? That do, neem oil doesn't do good because it's such a... Again, it's a big insect. It's just it's too big for the neem oil to do much okay. too. But consider digging things up, tilling the ground real thoroughly, and disrupting the life cycle of those grubs because that may be the thing that gives you, in combination with other things, may give you the final control of the Japanese beetle. i got to get out of here, Kathy. It's great talking to you, though. It's 7.49. We'll be back after this. This is Scott Slade, host of Atlanta's Morning News on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We'll be covering breaking news, Kirk Mellis weather, and traffic red alerts through the weekend. And the Southeast's largest news team is here for you first thing Monday morning when you head back to work. News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. Now back to Walter Reeves, the lawn and garden advice you need. And a quick weather update brought to you by Ackerman Security. Today is a gardener's dream, pretty much, to be happy about the weather. It's going to be in the mid-70s this afternoon. No rain, sunshine. Tonight goes down to the mid-40s. Tomorrow night, pretty much most of the same. And today's a great day to go to Athens. If you're going for the G-Day game in Athens, come home and garden tomorrow. It's going to be great. Your full weekend forecast comes up in 10 minutes on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Let's go in real quickly and get Barbara off the line because she's been waiting so patiently. Hey, Barbara, good morning. Um... I have some little bits of kudzu that are popping up in my yard from my weedy neighbor's house. Kudzu? Oh, man, Barbara. And um, is it best to dig it up? Because I know it spreads on the ground, right? Somewhat. Or I use, I use Roundup? You know, frankly, the two together is probably going to be your best bet. Digging, because kudzu does spread by roots. Mostly it spreads by its vine, but there can be some sprouts from the roots. Oh. Okay. I think digging them up, if they're not too big, yeah, Barbara, get a little narrow shovel and go in and sort of dig a little divot out and take the root and the kudzu sprout out at the same time. That's the end of that story. If you're just somehow not able to do the digging, then a little spot spray with Roundup or any of the Roundup uh, analogs like Kills All and just kill it. And if you're consistent and persistent about doing the spraying, I think you'll be fine. Dig or spray, either one, you'll finally get the kudzu under control. It's 7.57 and one half at News Talk WSB. We'll be back after news.